0: Hello and welcome to Unsubscribe, the show in which we examine the commitments which power us. And wow, I don't think there's been another guest who has so thoroughly examined those commitments as this week's guest, Anna Levesque. Anna is the owner of the Asheville, North Carolina-based company Mind Body Paddle, where she coaches people into more empowered lives through the water activities of stand-up paddleboarding and kayaking. And which she interweaves with wellness-oriented yoga and Ayurveda. And I also released a book last year called Yoga for Paddling. And we actually cover all of that and a lot more in this episode, so I'll leave it at that. What we don't mention is that in March, Anna is leading a spring-themed women's retreat on the art of self-care. It's taking place on March 23rd through 25th at the French Broad River Academy in Asheville. And the focus is on understanding and redefining self-care through the springtime lens of cleansing and new beginnings. You can find more information about the Art of Self-Care Retreat and about Anna and about other workshops and trips she offers at her website, mindbodypaddle.com. That's mindbodypaddle.com. And if you're more familiar with our website, you can go to unsubscribeshow.com backslash Anna, and you can click through there. There will be links there. Anna and I met at the Slightly Cacophonous West Asheville coffee shop called Odds Cafe. It's walking distance from Anna's house. She's a regular there. And despite the short distance she traveled to get there, we cover a ton of ground from paddling to core values to landmark education, which Anna and I have both participated in. And as I edited this episode, I learned so much from re-listening to Anna, things I didn't quite take in the first time or just wasn't ready to hear maybe, because I even had a mini breakthrough regarding something Anna brings up called the unanswerable question, which is a different question each of us has that we are persistently trying to get the answer to. There's a punchline to the unanswerable question, and uh, I won't get into it here. I'll leave it for Anna to explain. With that, let's get into it. I hope you get as much out of this conversation. I did
1: hi my name is Anna Levesque and I live in Asheville North Carolina and I uh, run a business called mind body paddle which um, really has the uh, focus of uh, empowering inspiring and connecting and healing so those four words connect inspire empower and heal um, and the venues through which I, I take on those, uh, those words is, uh, stand up paddleboarding, whitewater kayaking. Uh, I'm an Ayurveda wellness counselor and I'm also a yoga teacher. And so I like to combine yeah. all of those activities and, uh, and really, really help people thrive. um, and uh, I'm also an author of the book, Yoga for Paddling, mm-hmm. which was published this, this past year, so.
0: What is Yoga for Paddling all <clears throat> about?
1: So, yeah, yeah, Yoga for Paddling, so when I first started practicing yoga in my 20s, I did a pretty rigorous um, practice, and that was on top of uh, traveling all the time and kayaking some pretty difficult whitewater. water. And uh, <clears throat> I realized Um, Or when I took my 200-hour yoga teacher training, I was introduced to alignment-based yoga, right? And so I I discovered that, uh, that what I was practicing was actually exacerbating the imbalances in my body that were already there from kayaking. And so I really wasn't, even though I was practicing yoga, you know, people say, oh, practice yoga and you'll heal your body, which... There is definitely some truth to that. And it does matter what type of yoga you're practicing. And so the alignment-based yoga, or yoga for paddling, is really um, based in alignment-based yoga. And it is about uh, balancing the imbalances that are created through whitewater kayaking and stand-up paddle boarding. So really it's about opening up the front of the body, right? Opening up the shoulders, shoulder health, hips, low back, which is actually all connected to the hip flexors, um, strengthening the glutes, which tend to be really weak in paddlers. So it's really um, not only specific poses but also specific alignment principles that I work with. Um, I've worked with a, uh, my physical therapist who's also a yoga therapist. So I really wanted the alignment pieces to be based in science, to be based in an anatomical, anatomically correct um, research mm-hmm. and practice. Uh-huh. So that's Yoga for Paddling. So it's a book published by Falcon Guides, which is uh, one of the biggest outdoor industry publishers. You know, they do all the trail guides yeah, and sure. that kind of thing. So so I was really excited about uh, doing that and being of service.
0: When did that come out?
1: That came out April 2017. So oh, cool. just last year.
0: Well, how's yeah. it going?
1: Great. Yeah. I did a book tour at uh, REI stores up and down the East Coast. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. So I do a yoga for paddling class or stretching for pa- for paddling longevity talks at the REIs. And, yeah, it was really great to uh-huh. hit the road and meet people all up and down the East Coast and uh-huh. be of service.
0: Going back to the four words, it yeah. was connect, educate, inspire.
1: Connect, empower, inspire, and heal. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: So I would say, like, on the... On the theme of unsubscribing and subscribing, yep. those are commitments that power you.
1: Yeah, they are.
0: Created a business around them. Uh, was that an evolution to get to those four words?
1: So, a little history of unsubscribing. So, I grew up in a you know middle upper middle class family in uh, in between Ottawa and Montreal up in Canada. So, I'm also a Canadian citizen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, growing up, it was you know you go to college, then you get a job. And I always wanted to be of service, um, and that looked like going to law school. My father was a criminal judge.
0: Where did where did that impulse to be of service come from?
1: Um, that's a good question. I um, I've always been drawn to spirituality. So I was medita- I joined a meditation group when I was in high school, and uh, started meditating like twice a day. And it was just something. I wanted to go into human rights law, like that's what I was really drawn to, or be in the foreign service. Traveling um, was also very important to me, or you know, I had a love of it. Um, And maybe it's because I didn't really travel a whole lot when I was young, like within the U.S. and Canada, yes, and a couple of international trips, but you know, I don't know exactly where that impulse... I I think my mom... Um, she would always do like the hospital fundraisers and she was of service just to people, just like if people needed something, she would step up, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that there was that, um, thread Mm -hmm. throughout my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so I went to college and then I, uh, one summer, so I'm on this college track and I loved college, I thought it was great. Where were you? University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Because oh, cool. my mom is actually from Chapel Hill. Okay. My dad's Canadian, but we, I grew up in Canada. Um, so in college, my uh, sophomore year, I um, decided I wanted to get a different summer job. I was looking for summer jobs and I ended up driving to the rafting company that was like 20 minutes from my parents' house because I would come home in the summers. And I wanted to be a guide. Um, but their guide training had already started. So I took a job in the kitchen. And it, and that summer opened me up to a whole new world. Like a world where people live in buses in mm-hmm. tents in the summer. And mm-hmm. they're super stoked and happy. And they love being outside. And they love their job. And they have so much fun. And the priorities instead of career, money, car... I mean, car as a status symbol. Uh-huh. You know, instead of uh-huh. that, it was, uh, are you happy, happy doing what you love, connecting to nature, like really connecting to being outside. Um, those were the priorities and community. <laughs> I always talk about how I started kayaking and my life, like, turned, you know, did a 180. You know, I, uh, also, I studied abroad when I was in my senior year in college. And people were like, you can't study abroad your senior year. That's your senior year. Mm-hmm. You'll never be able to come back to the university. Like, this is it. Don't you want to be with your friends? And I was like, no, I want to go yeah. travel uh-huh. and experience the world. Yeah. And and this didn't call to me until now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do it. Um And I happened to, not only, I did an uh, experiential learning semester, so it was very awesome to really immerse ourselves in the culture, politics, geography of Chile. I was in South America. Um, But also, there was a Chilean raft guide who had worked at the Canadian company, so I had a contact there, and he took me all through southern Chile to all the different rivers, and we kayaked, and we went to hot springs, and we were... You know, in the Andes under the stars and camping, and just met this other whole group of people, and I realized, whoa, I can this kayaking thing, I can travel, I can experience new places, new people, and the community. Again, the priorities of the community are being out, you know, love of connection to nature, love of being outside, community, having fun, mm-hmm. um, challenging oneself. But it looks different. Challenging oneself really. Um, kayaking on the river so that's when I started pursuing when I graduated college I had my parents drop me off at the rafting company in West Virginia (laughs) to do guide training Uh and that's what I've done ever since I've never had a real real job I've Mm -hmm. always worked in the outdoor industry Mm -hmm. um, as a raft guide video kayaker um, and then I started and then as an athlete so I was on the Canadian freestyle kayak team For several years, five years, I believe, Um, I, you know, I traveled around world championships, competed in extreme kayaking as well as freestyle. And then that's when I started seeing that as women, we struggled with different, we had different struggles on the river than men. And, uh, And I started hearing my female colleagues would talk about, you know, feeling added pressure as a woman on the water or, um, having to keep up with the guys or want, you know, needing a, an outlet, an emotional outlet after something maybe scary had happened and needing to like wanting to cry, but having to like hide it from the guys. And it's like, this is so weird. Everyone's talking about this, but no one's talking about it openly. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to do, um,
0: where were those, where were those pressures coming from? So
1: it was like, I mean, now I've done a lot of research. So men and women actually have a different stress response. Mm -hmm. Um, The fight or flight stress response tends to be more suppressed in women because of oxytocin, which is a hormone hormone that um, allows us to be friends. So be friends, support systems are much more important mm-hmm. to women. Um, and with guys, the fight or flight, so that guys are much more confident going at it alone. They're in a group, but they like they want to go fast. They're like fighting or fleeing. So they're like, they're on it. And women tend to, um, it's not that they need it. You know, I, it's interesting using the words because there's so much stuff attached to them in our culture like oh, woman needs more support mm-hmm. well it's a biological thing throughout the ages uh women um a threat to women is either a ma- is usually a male known or unknown and if a woman is alone faced with that there's a lot less protection when women are together and if there's a five or six women together or even three women together or even two, and there's mm-hmm. an, a, a threat, there's a lot more protection. Mm-hmm. So it's just, a, I say just because it's, I really want it to come across as it is uh, biological, it's evolutionary, it's not that women need right. because we're weaker. Right. Right. Sure. Um, we don't have as much brute strength in general as men, and that does play into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, anyways, so,
2: yeah.
1: um, because then also that, Extreme sports have been dominated by men. Mm -hmm. Men have been more drawn to them. If you look at the numbers, the sheer numbers, uh, you know, in whitewater kayaking, for instance, it's like 60-40 or something. At one time, I think it was 70-30, 70% men. You know, all the CEOs are male. Mm -hmm. Editors of magazines are male. Mm -hmm. Most of the designers are usually male. That's changing slowly, but um, male. In that case, in that world, then the men get to set the the conversation. Yeah. And the conversation was, you got to keep up with us. Don't slow us down. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you don't show emotion on the river. Um, you know, you've got to hold your own. You've got to be like us. And mm-hmm. it's not that they were out to get anyone, right. but there was not, uh, a room for a conversation of like, well, maybe this doesn't, this isn't workable for
2: mm-hmm.
1: women. Right. Like this is not building our confidence. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, it, there's of course a gender spectrum and and so not everyone falls into okay. that so there's women who thrived under that environment but i would say i always say there have been some women who've pushed back i started a company called girls at play um because i wanted to bring the conversation forward um of what uh the female experience in whitewater looks like from a female perspective mm-hmm. and there was some it 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 was groundbreaking at the time. This is 2004. Okay. And there was some pushback, you know, because I was like, it's okay to cry in the river. Like, it's just an emotional outlet. That's it. It's not, doesn't mean, like, you know, what do you make it mean? We right. make it mean right. weakness. Uh, you know, it's just an emotional outlet. And, um, and so there was some pushback, and some women were, you know, saying, oh, that's too soft. Um, and, and I always say, well, as long as I have clients coming to me, <laughs> right, that are drawn to what I'm offering, then that speaks for itself. So um, there was not at the time a voice for, you know, a more inclusive, I call it a more inclusive, maybe different conversation. And that's that's what I opened up with Girls at Play. And Mm -hmm. so I've been doing that for 13 years, running women's whitewater kayaking Mm -hmm. programs uh, here in Asheville, in Costa Rica, Ecuador, Mexico. I did Mexico for seven years, um, we did a trip to Nepal, and uh, we also do fundraising events uh, for different uh, uh, for a memorial fund that we set up in memory of a friend who passed on the river who loved kayaking, who was also a big proponent of women in kayaking. So, so we're, we've done a lot of... I feel I've contributed to the female, mm-hmm. you know, wet water hiking world. And I'm really proud of that. And so what's interesting is I unsubscribed from like my family view of what a career or mm-hmm. work should look like. And mm-hmm. I had plenty of people in the beginning me like, you need health insurance. Mm-hmm. You need this. You have to get a job and mm-hmm. it has to look this way. And I just kind of was like, no, it doesn't. And yeah. I'm, you know, there's, Um, I have a tendency to push through stuff with not a lot of thought, Mm -hmm. which has, which served me well in the past, you know, and that's part of it, like going for it. Um, And then, so then I unsubscribed to this male narrative. Mm -hmm. And now I'm actually coming back to your original question. Where did these four words come from? So my words throughout Girls at Play were empower, inspire, and educate. And now it's moving beyond that, where I feel like I've contributed to the female community, whitewater kayaking community, and now I'm stand-up paddleboarding, which is another passion, stand-up surfing, combining yoga with stand-up paddleboarding, um, and the Ayurveda wellness counseling, which is Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga. So Mm -hmm. um, now I'm unsubscribing, I suppose, not completely from women in whitewater, I'm Expanding Mm -hmm. to, and it may still be women specific, but I'd like to open it up to anyone. And if Mm -hmm. more women resonate, that's fine. Um, And with the yoga for kayaking or yoga for paddling. Mm -hmm. So now the focus is longevity and joy. You can go really hard at these extreme sports and not last because Mm -hmm. there's so many injuries. Um, Same thing with yoga, kind of like I was talking about, you know, Um, and that really. Longevity, so that's the healing piece, is really longevity and joy over Mm -hmm. the long term, Mm -hmm. is I think what my goals are now, or what I'd like to contribute Mm -hmm. to people through paddling and yoga and Ayurveda.
0: So good, so good. Um, Could you back up about the yoga and injury piece? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, so just like I, I was mentioning earlier, you know, in my 20s, I did a lot of vigorous yoga. Which was exacerbating imbalances in the body, right? So my glutes were weak, my hip flexors were tight, and then I started having chronic pain. This is just an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was doing yoga, right? And I thought I was doing it right, whatever that means. And um, so people get injured in yoga just as much as they get injured in other sports. Mm-hmm. You know, in Ayurveda we talk, that there's the mindfulness piece. Ayurveda is really about abiding in the self. And another way to say that is abiding in the self mindfully or having a mindful awareness of our bodies. Um, because our bodies are definitely giving us signals. Or, um, and sometimes they're very subtle. So being able to tune into that, mm-hmm. right? And someone can be practicing yoga mindlessly. Which I would argue might be more common than right. we all like to admit, right. um, especially from the workout standpoint. Right. Um, and there, again, there's nothing wrong if you know that it, it's whatever feels good to you. And when we take the long-term view, continuing to push, push, push may not be contributing to the outcome that you're really committed to. Right. Like if you're really committed to your health, is mm-hmm. that. You know, attachment versus commitment conversation Mm -hmm. of, yeah, I'm committed to my health and that health commitment might look like needing to slow down in yoga. But if you're attached to the vigorous yoga, then that's not really contributing to your Mm -hmm. health commitment. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? So so I think no matter what we do, that was the piece. Really, I'm committed to a a mindful approach to paddling Mm -hmm. and yoga and health such that joy and longevity are the outcomes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really committed to yeah. now moving forward.
0: Uh-huh. Now moving forward. So yeah. how how do you think that how do you think that interweaves with someone who's 24 and on the competitive circuit?
1: Yeah. Well, and and you know there are some folks who are 24 and paying attention to their diet. There has been more awareness. You know, I know some of the I've had conversations with some of the younger Guys, actually, at the top of whitewater kayaking, and they're vegan and they're practicing yoga. A couple of them have bought, you know, got my book, and they really, you know, are taking a look at it and and open to um, the alignment pieces. And it doesn't mean that you never do vigorous yoga, because sometimes, you know, whatever paddling is not great for the body either. Sitting in a kayak, but you know, if it feeds your soul, yeah. You, you know, it's about finding a balance yeah. to where mm, and that's another like as far as unsubscribing is really cr- critical thinking for yourself mm-hmm. of being able to take the wider view. OK, well, this is the expectation in society or maybe expectation from my point of view from childhood or whatever um, and be able to be like, OK, well, this is the expectation. Is this really true for me? Mm-hmm. You know, or is this really contributing to what I'm committed to, and be able to have an honest, authentic conversation with myself?
0: Yeah, well, that's so. that's what that's what we're hoping to do is just that unexamined piece is so common. I think Right. people know that they're not necessarily happy, but there there don't seem to be any alternatives at right. the time. So if they came up in the I mean, being about the same age, you know, and I, I think this is shifting for people who are in their 20s now, but you and I being about the same age, I came up very much the same way Is I thought I was college, job, house, family, yeah. you know, that seemed to be the path. Yeah. And, and when I was 22, I was in a <laughs> lame sales job and I had this opportunity to work on a film production and I took it and my mom's like, what about health insurance? That was the first thing out of her mouth. It was the first thing I'd ever heard. I was miserable, you know, for only for three months. I was really lucky, you know, but I was miserable and I had this chance to do something really cool and I had to quit my job in order to do it. And, yeah. and that was, that was the concern at 22 years old, like right. about my health, which from her point of view is totally legitimate. Right. So.
1: Well, yeah. Within the U.S. it is a legitimate, right. it is oh, a right. concern. right. Well, yeah. And actually... It's funny because I chose to move to the U.S. I have dual citizenship, Canadian and U.S., but that is not a concern concern for like 20-something Canadians, uh-huh. or at least it wasn't in my, mm-hmm. um, my experience. And that is the beauty of, not to get too political, but that's the beauty of the one-payer system, uh-huh. you know, or sure. uh, socialized medicine is uh, you do not, that is not a concern. You have freedom, more freedom to choose and take you know, what kind of job you want or what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not perfect, but to me, that's a big, big advantage. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, and as far as kids, the other thing I having to unsubscribe from is my husband and I tried to start a family. We wanted to start a family. Um, he's seven years younger than I am. So when we got married, he was 26 and I was 33. Does that math out of? hmm it does. Um <laughs> and so we, we waited because we were both you know paddling we met he's, he was also a pro kayaker and we met on tour and so we traveled around and competed we were nomads for several years um, and then we settled in Asheville but still did a lot of traveling um, so we s- tried to start a family and it, um, we did all natural methods Uh, in in vitro and we were very clear that when it came to in vitro because that was our last kind of stop at having our own children Um, and we we were very clearly we're going to do it once we're going to go to one of the best clinics and if it doesn't work we're moving on right and um, it didn't work right I mean it worked the first time and then I miscarried and it was very painful, Mm -hmm. super painful. And, um, one question that I had to grapple with that I don't think most mothers or women have to have to grapple with is, you know, why did I want to be a mother? Mm -hmm. And some, for some women, it's very clear. It's, they want to be a mother. They love it. They, they know it from the beginning and that wasn't the case for me. I was always, I was always, um, I I took it for granted I thought oh yeah it'll happen whenever it happens but it was never like it was not a priority for me Um, and then I was so upset when I couldn't conceive you know our own children and um, what was interesting is that my upset was not so much about not being able to be a mom but because my body wasn't doing what other Mm. people's bodies could do Mm -hmm. and that um, kind of reinforced this feeling of not good enough Mm -hmm. of being a failure Mm -hmm. and that's what was more upsetting than than the inability to be a mom which is why you know a lot of people are like well what have you thought of adoption? Yes, of course. Anyone who goes through Mm -hmm. infertility or this, think of adoption, of course. Um, And I had to be really, really authentic with Mm -hmm. myself that when I thought about it, taking care of a child was not what I wanted to do with my Mm day-to-day. It's just not. And that's just the truth of it. Mm -hmm. And and adopting... You know, we so we chose not to adopt, Mm -hmm. and um, I feel really good about that. Uh, I I know that my husband and I have decided that so we're not creating children. What are we creating? What are we creating in the world? Mm -hmm. Um, And we're creating that we can contribute to the world in very powerful ways that look different than the powerful way of raising a child, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. or sure. A lot of people that, you know, it's a big contribution to the world to raise children. Yes. Absolutely. And there's other ways to contribute. Sure. Uh, there was a philosopher that I just heard an interview, and I loved her answer. She said, um, she said, love has more work to do in the world hmm. other than raising children. Wow. And so unsubscribing from that, that is, probably the most challenging thing mm-hmm. um, I've had to do in my life because our culture is very much focused on um, motherhood and child rearing and, um, and you know, it's how we continue on our legacy. It's how sure. we, you know, yeah, I mean, humans talk about, carry on. Yeah, so yeah, it's I a mean, biological, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. It's right, right. It's a biological, you know, evolutionary right. thing for sure. And uh, it took me several years, probably about four years before I was really able to be joyful around children and not have um, mm. the little like, oh, you don't have this, or you're not good enough. And mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really grateful of the process. Um, I'm really grateful that I, I, now I sit here and I can be very stoked to be an auntie to my friend's kids mm-hmm. and, and support uh, friends who are pregnant and just not have any hook, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And I'm also grateful that my parents, they already had grandkids and my mom mm-hmm. was actually like, you don't need kids. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I think there is a piece of her, if she's really honest, even though she had four kids and she loves us and right. we have a wonderful family that I think there is a small piece of her that knows she would have been okay without kids too. Mm-hmm. You know, um,
0: you, you mentioned uh, like coming to that point of where you could be around kids yeah. and not have a hitch. Uh, you said it was a process. Yeah. What was that process like, just sitting with it for a while? Did you uh, see-
1: yeah, the process was definitely so taking um, personal development transformation curriculum through a company called our landmark worldwide. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about landmark, yeah, landmark for sure.
0: forum. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I've been, which I'll just,
0: I'll mention here that um, yeah. we are both, What, I don't want to say, I guess graduates. Yeah, I don't, graduates. I don't love the word graduate. So really? we've, yeah, I don't know why, like what, what is my,
2: <laughs> what do I
0: have to look at there? Right. Like, um, but we've both been through a lot of the landmark curriculum. Yeah. So, So I didn't realize that that was where it was going to come in. I definitely was going to ask you about that.
1: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because I was practicing yoga, meditation, spiritual path. I did a lot of native American ceremony and like vision quest, um, through my my thirties. So I I say all that to say that I was doing a lot of personal development Mm -hmm. again, the unsubscribing from having your own children or a family. It was, has been the most challenging thing I've done in my life, and I was, not, I was in so much grief and pain, and mm-hmm. my, I could tell that our marriage was, it was very strained, and we were dealing with it in different ways, and I'd been hearing about Landmark Forum for years from other paddlers, um, other pro paddlers who had done it who said awesome things about it. There's all this stuff on the internet about it being a cult. And so, you know, it's easy to just be cynical and be like, "Oh, that stuff is a cult. It's Mm -hmm. like for other people. I don't need it. Look at my life. It's amazing. I've created this amazing kayaking, doing my own thing, you know, empowering women. I'm doing all this personal development. And then the the pregnancy, the infertility um, came up and I was like, okay, we're not, none of the tools that we have are helping us mm. or really, they're not making a difference with this piece. And so I've been hearing okay. about, we need this transformation. We need transformation. And my husband was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, cause we'd been hearing about it from really close friends for a long time. So we, we, did the landmark forum and that's where you know there's a distinction in landmark forum about choice choosing that um you know life uh we don't even though we don't necessarily like i didn't choose necessarily to be in, you know infertile not be able to have my own children but because that is what has presented itself self i can choose powerfully within that mm-hmm. right And we already did that to a certain extent, being like, we're going to do IVF once, and then if it doesn't work, we're moving on. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have a choice to choose now within this context. Yeah, we're we're not creating children, so what are we creating? And we still can create, not, you know, I say still, we can create a powerful, fulfilling, amazing life without kids. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're choosing. Mm -hmm. As opposed to choosing to be victims right? Um, or we could have chosen to adopt. We could have chosen many things. Landmark, the forum, That's that was one of the most powerful things among others. Many, many. I mean, it has changed my life. Mm-hmm. It, it really has transformed yeah, me.
0: Material. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I have a whole new outlook and a very powerful outlook. And I feel like I, um, I mean, yes, I went to it. I went to Landmark because I was in pain. And now I continue because I continue to do the courses. You know, they have many courses. I'm registered for a new one now. And now I I take them to thrive,
2: mm-hmm.
1: to continue to thrive mm-hmm. because I do have a great life and yeah. every course enhances that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, I would recommend it to anyone. No one needs it. And if you're in, it, it, it'll tr- it provides transformation if you're going through a hard time, and it provi- it's for high performers if you already love your life and you want to thrive even more. Mm-hmm. I looked up the definition of thrive recently because cool. it's my word for 2018. Uh, oh, nice. And one of the definitions is going from strength to strength. Mm-hmm. So an example they said is the real estate market is continuing to thrive, mm-hmm. and I really like that. Like you can continue to thrive. Mm-hmm. There's not like an end point, mm-hmm. right? So you can be strong now and continue to thrive mm-hmm. and get stronger. Cool. So, yeah.
0: oh, that was a loud ding, huh? I <laughs>
1: know.
0: It is. Uh, my word's vibrancy, just oh. for the record. Awesome. Uh, one of the things I loved about Landmark was that it is so much about language, right? Like it's creating through language. That's it's right. like, there's very little, I mean, until you get to SELP, the third course, right? There's very little actual action. It's all about talking, yep. right? And I really, after taking Landmark and the advanced course, you know, I realized so much, like everything that happens in the world, not everything, 90% of what happens in in the civilized world when you're not foraging for food on a day-to-day or being oppressed right. you know, on a moment-to-moment basis. You know, it's just about conversations with people. Um, and to that end, like... Um, my partner who I started this podcast with, uh, her name's Jenna. We came up with the name unsubscribed and we both got goosebumps when we got it. And the only thing we don't love about it is that like it's an, it's sort of a negative. It's a taking away, right? Which is sort of anti what we want to be about. So I like to focus on the subscription aspect and you've come up with these four words for your current endeavor. Um, and, uh,
1: what am I subscribing to? Yeah,
0: yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, sure. well, that's
1: what I, I think. Yeah. I, I, um, I'll I, say it again. I'm really subscribing to a mindful approach to paddling, to health and wellness, right? To living that with, you know, joy and longevity is the goal.
0: Thriving. Yeah, right.
1: thriving. Um, and that mindfulness piece is key. And that's what Ayurveda is. is... You know, Ayurveda has also transformed my life, my body. Um, Ayurveda is based on the five elements of nature, right? Earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And each of those elements has qualities. So earth is heavy, static, for example. Um, Water is liquid and cool. Um, Fire is hot, sharp. Air is m- movement, so wind, and rough and dry, and ether is clear and subtle. Those are just examples. And so Ayurveda has organized those five elements into three constitutions. Earth, water, which is kapha. Um, fire, water, but mainly fire, which is pitta. And then air and ether, which is vata, which is mainly air. And so um, we're each born with a unique constitution, uh one of those constitutions, which actually means that which will go out of balance more quickly. So, like I'm more earth water, I have a lot of pit fire as well. But um, if I'm not careful, that earth water will go out of balance more quickly. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, um, and so mm-hmm. that's the the power of of Ayurveda is getting is self knowledge, abiding in the self. So, mm-hmm. what is you know, so I'm trained to assess people's constitutions and provide a plan, uh, diet and lifestyle plan for them to help them come back into balance, and then be aware. That's the powerful piece. Then they're aware. Then they we start being aware of like, oh, I'm out of balance here. Oh yeah, I can tell I've been eating too much wheat or drinking too much alcohol or, um, or even sleeping in too late right. or not going to bed early enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. All of that matters. Mm-hmm. The it's self-care, which is also what I'm subscribing to now. I'm big time subscribing to self-care. Is about um, the day-to-day things that we do will impact our health. It's mm-hmm. not about taking a yoga right. class, a yoga weekend once a month, or you know, it's, it. You'll get more benefit out of doing 20 minutes of yoga every morning or four times a week than you will taking one hour and a half class right. once. Once a week. Right. Um, you know, if people would just go to bed earlier, mm-hmm. that would be huge for mm-hmm. the health overall mm-hmm. of everyone. You know, really, we should all be in bed by 10 p.m., like going to sleep mm-hmm. by 10 p.m., waking up a little earlier. And it, it changes with the seasons because also. Because of the dark?
0: Because of the light? Is that... Uh, no, you just because... You say earlier. Yeah. You mean more people should be getting more sleep or they should be going yeah, to bed they earlier? Yeah, sh- they
1: should be going to bed earlier. Oh. The, I wish I knew the scientific background to this, but... I've heard it several times in Ayurveda um, that the sleep we get before midnight is the most beneficial.
2: Hmm. Wow!
1: And so, if if you're going to bed after midnight, you're really not getting the deep rest wow. that you need. Uh-huh. So, you know, getting giving getting at least two hours. I don't know beforehand mm-hmm. and that goes that's across the board so Ayur, so there's things with ayurveda that are very specific to your constitution and then there's overall and seasonal so we shouldn't be eating the same thing we in, for instance salad people love salad well, salad is rough, cold, and dry, mm-hmm. right? In the wintertime, or especially early winter, fall, when the wind is blowing and it's rough, cold, and dry, if you keep mm-hmm. eating salads, you're just exacerbating whatever dry skin you have, whatever like digestion can get bloated. Mm-hmm. You know, winter's the time to eat soups, and warm, and nourishing, mm-hmm. and steaming the veggies, or sauteing them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really simple stuff. But we get it in our culture. It's like uh, our culture is paleo is the answer. Mm-hmm. And it's the answer for everyone right. because it worked for me. Right. And that's, um, that's really crazy when you think about it. Mm-hmm. How is it possible that one diet will work for all? When you right. look, you just look around right. here. Look at how many different skin tones and body shapes and energy levels and... You know, all of that is Mm -hmm. because we have this unique combination of elements Mm -hmm. within us. So now Western medicine is start, you know, they're on this track because of the genome that, you know, um, decoding the genome. Now they're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be able to do personalized medicine. And drug companies are starting to research why certain drugs work for some people and not for others. Well, Ayurveda, that's been around for 5000 years, says, of course, Of course they don't. And of course you need personalized medicine. But they've been on the preventative side. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just funny because now Western science is coming back around. And granted, they will be able to be very, very specific with the genome and all that. So I'm not taking away anything from the advances of Western medicine. Um, And at the same time, it's like, come on, if you're mindful and you pay attention then you know you can take you can take control of your health
0: yeah yeah i was wondering like if there is something over the course of your the past 20 years of creating the different businesses you've had like any (coughs) any major challenges or themes that have come up that you've had to so you can't like the impetus from the beginning it sounds like was that things were different for women than they were for men Mm -hmm. and that inspired you to investigate that and create some support around that anything as far as like more of a a business perspective entrepreneurial perspective
1: so I'm not I don't have you know I studied international studies and political science Um, people have always told me that I'm really good at marketing and it must be a natural thing and luckily I'm good at writing Mm -hmm. or decent at writing and marketing Um, And what I've struggled with is really holding myself accountable as far as measurables and numbers. Mm -hmm. And actually the uh, self-expression and leadership program, the landmark program, uh, really helped me with that and like planning, you know. And um, so I'm still and that's what I'm taking on now in this new iteration or, you know, different iteration of my business is setting up measurables and holding myself accountable and not being scared to hold myself Mm -hmm. accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, Because really my point of view, uh, you know, for a long time, my belief was, you know, I'm not good enough. So it's scary if that's the conversation in the back of my mind, you're not really good enough to like... put numbers out there and hold myself accountable because the fear of failure, mm-hmm. right? And so, really, I'm letting that go. Mm-hmm. And it's all... I love the the um, analogy of being on the court versus in the stands, and mm-hmm. how the people in the stands spend their time talking about the people on the court. And the people on the court are playing the game, and they're making mistakes, and sometimes they're failing, and sometimes they're accomplishing amazing things. Um, they're not so attached to that. Mm-hmm. Right. To the, the outcome. I mean, they're going, they have goals and measurables and they're going for it. And it doesn't always work out. Um, and at the same time, they're learning and living, right? Because they're out there playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's joy and grief and all of it. And and it's all in the context, right? Everything is, you know, we say we create our world through conversations, through mm-hmm. language. And we get to say what context we look at the world Right. Right? We get to choose the lens, um, and that's empowering. Really mm-hmm. knowing that, of like, I have the power right now, if I'm feeling disempowered, to change the context mm-hmm. and make it an empowering. Mm-hmm. For instance, with the not being able to have children, mm-hmm. right? Choosing a context to where we're creating. We might not be creating children, but we're creating, we're making a difference in the world in other ways, and having time, since we're not child-rearing, to... You know, uh, one of the things that's come up is aunt, uh, my husband's grandmother is, um, yeah, you know, has Alzheimer's and she needs a lot of care. And so, you know, creating, helping out there with the mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. which might not be possible, you know, if we had children. Or, mm-hmm. you know, my husband is the director of a boys' school, an outdoor adventure boys' school. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has, you know, 72 middle schoolers that he's a role model for. Mm-hmm. It's great. Right. You know? Right. So yeah. Just to put that up there.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that was a huge distinction for me from landmark context is decisive. And, right. uh, there's one thing that sticks in me about that is the idea that we do have a choice and this never really clarified until you were just speaking now. Um, I feel like there's an emphasis that we have a choice, like in in pop culture, in in like New Agey type wisdom. There's, I feel like there's this idea that we have a choice in any given moment to choose a totally different way, mm. and I've never fully subscribed to that because cause I could sit there and try and and from learning a little bit more about Somatic Experiencing, right? Like like those, I mean that's a that's an ingrained. Like if something happens and I have, or, or what you were saying about with women, you know, on the like the tears coming up while on the on the water, like that's an ingrained, both biological and an, from a learned standpoint, right? Like whatever happened to me developmentally when I was right. one years old or six months old or two and a half years old, um, and so it doesn't feel like a choice. Like and I, like I would beat myself up for so long because I I hear that I have a choice to to look at things a different way. But my body is saying, no, I don't have this. Cho-. Like I'm saying that I have a choice, but I'm not feeling it you know? and hearing you talk about making a choice, but then doing the work, mm. the process allows you to shift. Uh, I don't know. That was, that was just something I just got right now. And I don't know. How does that feel to you? Like, like
1: yeah, the other thing that comes up for me when listening to you is, um, there's there is a process and so we might do something and then it doesn't feel good or it's not what we wanted to choose and we realize it like afterwards and then we choose that the next time this comes up we'll do things differently and then so then the next time that a similar situation happens we might have a Realization a little quicker but we still make the same choice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we're like okay I did that again so next time I'm committing to doing it differently and then the next time we might be in it and notice because we've been doing the work but we still make the same choice and then the next time maybe we're uh, right before you know mm-hmm, right as it's sure. happening and then we're finally able to make that choice mm-hmm. and different and i think exactly what you say so it is a process right. right um
0: but for so long i was beating myself up right because, that's what i was gonna say yeah yeah, yeah. yeah
1: there, there's no right or wrong and there's yeah there there's no right or wrong That's us another distinction yeah right no good or bad right or wrong right. it just it is and uh that's okay
0: yeah i finally came like this is recent this is like in September or August, you know, I finally have come around to the point where it's totally okay to feel this way, like stop fighting it right. like, and be committed to change if that's what I want. That's right. Um, so yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, what's helpful, uh, there's actually, um, three of us who are landmark grads and we have a call once a week. Oh, cool. Actually there's four of us, um, and that's, that's really nice too. And at, that, that conversation about being hard on ourselves mm-hmm. comes up all the time. Sure. You know, it's nice to have people mirroring it back. Of, mm-hmm. you know, you're being hard on yourself You're making yourself wrong. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's, I don't know, maybe it's humans. Maybe it's our culture. I don't know in other cultures if it's as prevalent, right. but it seems, and among women, it seems really prevalent, mm. but you're, you know, you're a guy, so I guess it's prevalent. Right
0: probably, yeah, I might tend more toward the feminine on some spectrum, uh, 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 the sensitivity spectrum. Um, you've mentioned a couple times this sense, I don't remember if it was all on mic, but this sense of not being good enough. Yeah. Any idea where that came from or something you want to talk about or how you've worked through that or all three? Cause I think we have talked about on this podcast before imposter syndrome, Uh, the feeling of not being good enough, the feeling I run these pop-up dinners. And it took me six to 10 of them before I realized that what I was... I mean, people were coming. People were coming repeatedly. And I still... I had to look at the objective fact that someone was finding a babysitter coming and then doing and paying money and coming again the next month. Yeah. Same thing. Like, to me, I had to look at that as opposed to just knowing that what I was doing was worthwhile.
1: Right. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely conditioning and, um, we're affected by, you know, stuff that, how we were raised and, um, my mom once told me, she said, I know I never told, I never gave you any positive feedback because Mm. I just thought you knew when you were doing something good. I just thought I had to tell you what you were doing wrong, you know? And, um, and so like that, that was a big context when you're, and I, look, there's no blaming here. My mom's wonderful. And, uh, and it was really funny when she said that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, another, so there was that, and then there was, you know, sometimes it's just silly stuff. I know friends who've gone through trauma and I'm very grateful that I really have let, I've really had a trauma free life as Mm -hmm. you know, growing up and, Mm -hmm. um, You know, I remember being babysat and there was a bunch of us girls. It was a group. I think it was a neighborhood and one of the older girls was babysitting us and everyone was doing cartwheels and I couldn't do a cartwheel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was so upset Uh and the babysitter was like, well, some people just can't do them, you know? Mm -hmm. And she just said that to me. And I think she was trying to make me feel better. Like Mm -hmm. it's okay. But then it was all about. Like everyone else is getting such amazing acknowledgement, and mm-hmm. I wasn't getting any. I was just like, "Well, that's just the way you are," you mm-hmm. know. Wow. Not and to me, what I what I heard was that's just the way you are. You're not good enough, mm-hmm. and everyone else is going to get acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah. I wonder if I and a... I made that like so. My story, my point of view became, yeah, the world is judging because I felt you know that they were all judging, and I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do it, and. So yeah, some for some people it can be really traumatic. Or I'm sure, like my mother saying that to me. I, there are several times when I felt um, there's probably something else there for me around the acknowledgement piece because I've been striving for acknowledgement a lot of my life. And same thing, people uh, um, in the communi- in the landmark communication course, they do. Uh, there's a distinction called the unanswerable question where we walk around, whether we're aware of it or not, always communicating this unanswerable question. of, And for me, it's, am I good enough? Or another version of it is, am I doing the right thing? And people, same thing as kind of you're expressing, I've created this amazing lifestyle and I've contributed to people Mm -hmm. and I've written a book and I've, and still I'll be, uh, in my communications like is it good enough am I doing the right thing or choosing my four words I did a lot of this winter mm-hmm. um, a process of really evaluating what are my what are my core values what's my core purpose and i um, and, and when I came up with those four words that resonated with me, I was like, well, is that the right thing?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? right. And so this unanswerable question, mm-hmm. you come to realize no one can answer it because people have answered it all the time. Of course, you're amazing, Anna. You've done this and this. And thank you for helping me. You really contributed to my life. And I'll, and yet I'm still continuing to ask the, this unanswerable wow. question. And there's a lot of freedom in in realizing that it's such a futile...
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know
1: endeavor uh-huh. to be asking this question uh-huh. and, and you know there is no right or wrong there is no good enough right you know what are you committed to and right. what am i committed to i should say and what am i you know what action steps am i taking what context am i viewing the world what conversations am i having what mm-hmm. empowering conversations mm-hmm. am i having
0: mm-hmm.
1: you
0: know, so. i think uh what are you committed to is a great question actually not yeah. you, not you, but like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's get it out there, Right. you know, because of the, because of the unconsciousness. So many of us, I'll include myself in that, you know, sure. walk through our lives. Like, Who knows what, it, how it shows up for me. Um, one thing that came up that I wanted to ask and then forgot was you said that you did a lot of, um. What was it when you came up with the four words? You did a lot of work around core values, core core focus. So you said you said you've done a lot of work around core values and core focus, which to me is very actively finding a subscription to something. Right. Um, Yeah. What did that look like?
1: That looked like there's a great book called Traction that um, another landmark grad Mm -hmm. actually uh, sent me. She's a a client and she sent it to me in the mail. And so there's, they outline some questions to ask. Uh, So, you know, I sat down with this book and, you know, they talk about scheduling time. So here's the other thing is instead of just doing the day to day, what, and that's the interesting part about shifting my business now is I was, I did have a successful business that was working and yet it was no longer, moving touching and inspiring me right Mm -hmm. so then then it's time to do do a shift and in this book they talk about you've got to schedule the time to ask yourselves your ask yourself questions and do some reflection on your core values Mm -hmm. and i think as a as business as a business owner entrepreneur it can be really easy to just get up caught caught up in the day to day, answering emails, booking people in, um, newsletter, social media posts, you know, blog posts, so many things have to get done. And then there's no time for this reflection. And so that was really important. I scheduled like the holiday period was my time for reflection. Mm-hmm. So I'd schedule myself. And sometimes it didn't work out. Sometimes things came up and I had to reschedule, but then you reschedule mm-hmm. and Get it done. What's really I'm stoked about for 2018 is setting goals and and measurables and and holding myself accountable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: Sounds awesome. Well, in there, do you have anything else you'd like to say?
1: No, thank you. No, it's been a pleasure having me on the podcast. It's It's awesome.
0: Yeah. So that was Anna Levesque and uh, man, someone who is most definitely examined and conscious of the commitments that power her in every aspect of her life. And what I really got when I was in her presence was that there's just this, this passion about all these aspects of her life, this, this like understated stoke level that was there. As far as the examination goes, uh, this this unanswerable question has I don't know about thrown me for a loop, but uh, I've definitely been sitting with it for the past few days since editing the bulk of this podcast. And uh, I mean, is that where is that where Anna's passion comes from? Um, uh, for myself, my own unanswerable question, which I realized uh, from. I mean, it's been, it's been simmering in me, this knowledge, but from, from listening to Anna is, is, am I special? And it, it shows up, it's, it's mostly, am I special to you, uh, to another person? And it shows up most pointedly in my romantic relationships, but it definitely, I am realizing informs so much of my relationships with so many people in my life. It's crazy, and it's crazy to realize it it is uh it's definitely a mini breakthrough, if not a major breakthrough um now that now that I know it's there, now that I know it's unanswerable that's that's really the key now that I know that it is never going to be answered. the futility that no matter how much adulation I get from anything or anyone that I'm still gonna have this question so now that I know that uh I can witness it for a while. I can work with it. I can thank it for serving me at some point. probably served me when I was like uh, like 0.1 months old. Who knows? In any case, uh, thanks, Anna, for bringing that up. That's amazing. And as far as Anna goes, uh, she has this Art of Self-Care workshop that is coming up March 23rd to March 25th in Asheville, North Carolina. You can... Check out more information and register at her website, mindbodypaddle.com. If I were a woman, I would definitely be registered by now. So, uh, do you have an unanswerable question? If you uh, know what it is, shoot me an email. It's lr at unsubscribeshow.com. All right, and if you don't have one or you don't know what it is, because you most assuredly have one, uh, you can keep an eye out for it now. All righty. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.
3: Sometimes I feel like I'm falling go between what we think, what we see. I'm not going to change my ways just to please you or appease you. Inside a crowd, five billion proud, willing to punch it out, right wrong. Weak, strong ashes to ashes, all fall down. I look around. About this roundabout, this merry go round, round. If at all, God's gaze upon us falls. Dear Mr. Eskran, look at him. Forget about the reasons and the treasons we are seeking. Forget about the notion that our emotions can be swept away. Forget about being guilty are emotions instead For soon we'll all find our lives swept away Oh, sit a while with TVs hungry child, big belly swelled or oh, for a price of a Coke or a smoke Keep alive those hungry Take a look at me What you see in me Mirror, look at me Face it all Face it all again Forget about the reason And the treasons we are seeking Forget about the notion And our emotions been swept away, kept at bay. Forget about being guilty. I am innocent instead. Or well, soon we will all find our lives swept away. You seek up an emotion and our cup is overflowing. You seek up an emotion. Sometimes your whole Monster for him to fight your wars for you. But when he find his way to you, the devil's not go. fancy car in my bank account Oh how I wish I could take it all down into my grave oh, I'd say oh, Take a look again Take a look again Take a look again Every day things change Basically they stay the same Forget about the reasons and the treasons we are seeking Forget about the notion that our emotions can be swept away Intentions are not wicked, don't be tricked into thinking so Soon we will all find our lives swept away You seek up an emotion and your cup is overflowing Emotion, sometimes your world is dry. Seek up a big monster for him to fight your wars for you. But right. when they find his way to you. The devil's not going